Are you the quantum mechanics? Yes, we're the quantum mechanics. We're the paranormal podcast for the believers, the doubters and everyone in between. Paranormal weather update, Ben. I was thinking good weather for frolicking dragons. It is good weather for frolicking dragons because um, there's quite a lot of flammable stuff around. Well, my, my feeling was I was in the garden and it was a nice sunny day and then a little cloud would come over. It was like, oh, it's like a dragon flying over. That was where it came from oh, in my head. I see. Oh, we've, we haven't had a dragon feature in the paranormal weather forecast before. No, no. So um, we'll stick with that, shall we? Let's stick with the, the dragons. Frolicking dragons. Um, and before we get into the episode, you know I like to kind of trail through the stories during the week, new stories, and see if I can find anything interesting. And um, one of the stories I really like this week is that, is that NASA have gone all high-end fashion. Have you heard about this? They got a fashion house to design their um, spacesuits, didn't they? They have commissioned fashion house Prada to design their new spacesuits for the 2025 mission to the moon, Artemis III. Prada and Axiom Space were awarded the contract to help modernise and make the suits more comfortable and, I guess, more stylish as well. Well... If you're going to be seeing some sort of off-world entity, you do want to make sure you're looking your best. Yeah, definitely. I haven't seen a picture. Do they look fancy? Well, there was some initial... I think they designed something a a few months ago, but I don't think it is going to be the final thing. I mean, it looked all right. I mean, it wasn't wasn't, um, haute couture, let's say, but it, it certainly looked better than the the more cumbersome things we've seen in the past and the colours look quite nice but I'm sure they'll be developing it even further I was wondering though um, as it is for the mission to the moon I wonder if member of the public will be able to buy it and I thought not from the main store but maybe from the satellite shops oh my god (laughs) (laughs) that's a good idea though they should be selling like I don't know whether they got a T-shirt underneath or something. That, yeah. that would be quite a cool thing to do. Well, it'd be interesting to see if the uh, the catwalks, as we get nearer to the time of the mission, whether they go all space themed. That'd be interesting, wouldn't it? Oh yeah, no, that's true. Yes, yes. Yeah. No. Oh, what a great idea. Although I can't help thinking somebody somebody went. Do you know what? We should make our spaces even more expensive. Yeah. Let's go with Prada. <laughs> Clive, they already cost fifteen million pounds. I know, but yeah. Good yeah. God. Yeah. Well, Prada. Prada it is for the stylish astronaut. Yes. Yes. For you. <laughs> For your stylish ass, I can- also there's a bit of one-upmanship there, isn't there? I mean, if you're in the space and you meet a Russian or a Chinese, yeah, yeah. and you know they've got their stuff off Amazon or something, yeah, 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 <laughs> designed by you know the Russian equivalent of Walmart, and you're there in your Prada. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I haven't got any uh, news this week particularly. I nothing Sherlocky happened. To- to me, Kate, something happened to one of our lovely patrons. Yeah, I've got a little bit of a Sherlock update at the end, so Excellent. I will save it. So we'll keep I the violins. Dig out the violin again. I've just been resining the uh, bow, ready to go. <laughs> <laughs> I, I suppose that is what you do: resin the resin yeah, the bow. Yeah, 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 yeah. There was something. Have I got this right? People used to rub amber across them. Correct. Yeah, I think the resin was made of amber on the bow. I did play violin when I was a kid. For a little bit, um, 
So I do remember having that kind of amber resin stuff. Um, I was the <laughs> probably the only kid where my parents used to come upstairs and say, don't you think you've practised enough? <laughs> <laughs> and all these years later... Yeah. Who who'd have thought it that who'd I was I was writing violin music for our Tulpa? Yeah, who'd have thought it? Yeah, no, that's hey. that's a terrible thing. Yes, uh, I, well, I would have said you're on fire, but that is the subject of this week's show. Oh, your segue in there. <laughs> oh, that's weird that I picked the uh, the dragons. From it the is weather, weird you picked I didn't know the dragons. That. Spontaneous human combustion, to oh, be very precise. Oh, it's going to be an explosive episode. <laughs> I thought growing up that spontaneous human combustion would be a lot more of a problem than it actually is now. (laughs) That and quicksand. Yeah. I was terribly terrified (laughs) of quicksand. But do you remember that it was kind of in all of those mystery books? There's a picture of somebody and all there is is ashes and then two legs. Yes. And so if anybody hasn't heard of it, basically the idea is that somebody is just going around their normal life and then suddenly they're consumed in flames. And it kill obviously it kills them, and it's usually sort of the torso area. Yes. And all that's left is a leg or a foot, um, but the surrounding um, environment isn't touched. Right. So it, it's it's a localized fire, literally within the body. Is yeah, that, is that's that the right. Kind of stereotypical yeah. one. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it is. And so I was surprised to find out that the the first recorded cases sort of go back to the 1600s in fact in a paper I found a graph what? Now, graphs don't do don't, don't work very well in audio but let me just show you that graph there is a steadily increasing number of spontaneous human combustion cases reported from the 1600s through to well this graph um, covers the latter part of uh, the 20th century right and so the majority the vast majority reported from 1960 to 1999 right and I, 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 without getting all statistical is that there must be some element of better reporting that's contributing to those numbers I I think it's probably I think it's a, it's a mixture I mean it's not something that was covered in that particular um medical paper but i think there's an idea that in the past it was people just largely went well just you you know i got i got this vision of the guy going around doing the doomsday book or whatever it was (laughs) going all right so sorry you've got two kids five sheep any uh spontaneous combustion in the family (laughs) yeah doris spontaneously combusted last week i'll put it down as one yeah 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 yeah, she's ashes (laughs) And this meant that over the period of, of like that long amount of time, people had all sorts of explanations for spontaneous human combustion. Yeah, you probably think you know what the explanation is because most people think they know what it is. I, I it's I, I, like you said. I remember this being more of a thing when I was a kid. It seemed to be Ooh. out there. And actually, when you first started talking a minute ago and saying you were going to cover it, I thought of, oh, yeah, yeah, there's just ashes and a foot. So that's definitely stuck in my mind somewhere. I got this thing in my head of somehow the body gets overheated and that you burst into flames. That, that you know, or, or from inside, it kind of yep. burns through inside. I've got that as a theory, but I don't know if that's just now or if it's something historical that well, i had in my brain that is one of the six beliefs internal chemical reactions yeah 
That is certainly one of them. And the wick effect. That's another one. Ooh. So we'll come across, we'll come on to the wick effect more. But that is um, the best way of explaining that is because we're we're made up of a lot of uh, fat. Um, okay. Speaking for myself, here, you you uh, humans, you you maybe you get a cigarette, it catches fire to your body, and the wick effect of uh, the fat in your body catching fire and like a candle, basically. Yeah, we're, we're walking candles. We're I walking see. candles. That is one of them. Yeah. Um, alcohol saturation. That's another. Right. Electricity. Like, like, like lighting a, a Christmas pudding. That. Yeah. Exactly <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 Uh, electricity and magnetism has been blamed. Yeah. Supernatural forces have also been blamed. And it's my, a wide area that. It, it really yes. <laughs> it, it's it's a bit of a coverall, and then. Um, Pyrotrons. Now, I'm going to come on to pyrotrons later. Wow. That's my favourite explanation for it. Well, every week now, we seem to be doing a new thing, thinking up a new prog rock album. <laughs> the pyrotrons. <laughs> pyrotrons is a good one. But the the controversy about this has been going on for quite some time. Right. And there's a Dickens character called Crook, with a K, right. uh, two Ks, who dies through spontaneous human combustion? I didn't know. No, no. I like Dickens stuff. I'd never heard. Of, do we know what book is that? Do you know? Well, um, I'm going I'm to tell you about it. Okay. Good. <laughs> um, when this was first published, remember, um, Dickens published uh, regularly in magazines. The That's books right. were yes. yeah. Yes. And a few members of the public who read about Crook's death. Couldn't resist, and I found this in an article, burning themselves up with rage. I see what you did there. (laughs) Because scientists at the time got really upset because they were labouring to debunk clairvoyance, mesmerism, and the idea that people burst into flames for no good reason. And there was this guy called George Lewis, a Victorian-era Richard Dawkins, he protested that novelists can't just ignore the laws of physics. So basically, sorry, I didn't say, this is Bleak House, right? Oh, okay. So he says, yes, novelists can't just ignore the laws of physics. These circumstances are beyond the limits of acceptable fiction. <laughs> he, he actually wrote those words. <laughs> acceptable fiction, I love I know, that. acceptable fiction. Cool. Good job he's not around today. He'd blow his <laughs> mind, wouldn't he? He'd self-combust. He furthermore accused Dickens of cheap sensationalism <laughs> And of giving off currency to a vulgar e- error. <laughs> so, so in his mind, God, Dickens must have been a real enemy, right? Because you've yeah. you've got you know pretty much responsible for most of the ghost stories in creation, and now he's onto spontaneous combustion. Absolutely, yeah. But Dickens wasn't having any of it. No, I bet not. When he uh, he he sort of sees that uh, he's getting hit back at. And during uh, the part of the book where there's an inquest into Crook's death, Dickens mocks critics of spontaneous human combustion as eggheads too blind to see evidence. <laughs> Some of these authorities hold that the deceased had no business to die in the alleged manner, Dickens wrote, but common sense eventually triumphs and the coroner in the story declares there are mysteries we cannot account for. And this would be later to be replicated in real life. And we'll come to that later. But there is a coroner who was, we think, the first person to actually put a case down to spontaneous human combustion. So so put it on, like, the death certificate or whatever. Yeah, 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 absolutely. So the the controversy was strong even then. And and it's it's still strong now. I found this from the Independent newspaper in 2015. 
A woman with severe burns is fighting for her life in Germany after she reportedly burst into flames in an apparent case of the much-debated apparent phenomena of spontaneous human combustion. Pretty much from now on, I'm going to call it SHC because my teeth will fall out if I keep saying (laughs) that. Eyewitnesses describe how the woman, believed to be in her 40s, silently sat on a park bench as her body was engulfed with fire in the northern town of Flensburg. Thank God it was Flensburg. And no, nowhere more difficult. Yeah, or Flamesburg. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The woman, who was originally from Mauritius, was rushed to hospital after a passerby stopped the fire by beating away the flames with his jacket. Wow. Yeah. Photos purporting... Um, uh, well, it says gruesome photos, uh, purporting to show uh, spontaneous human combustion, often feature a large pile of grey ash, as we said, from which a pair of le- legs protrude. Now, this didn't happen in this case. She was... Uh, she was put out. She was so put she out. survived? No. Oh. No, she didn't in the end, right, sadly. So. She was fighting for her life, but as I understand it, she didn't. So, maybe you'll get onto this, but again, there must have been... You think there would have been an autopsy, or there must there must be some scientific data about that case that was like... It was outside the body, it came from inside. There must be, well, right? Well, you see, this is the problem, is people cannot agree. And this is where we could get right. to. So this case, the reporter compares it to this case in Ireland. So it is, in fact, as as close as I could find, the most recent death linked to SHC. Yeah. And it was a gentleman called Michael Farrity, who was 76, and he died in Galway in uh, December 2010. Mr. Kieran McLaughlin, the coroner, sorry, not Mr., I'm degrading him, it's Dr. Kieran McLaughlin, yeah. the coroner tasked with explaining Mr. Farrity's sudden death at his home in Ballymean, uh, made the shock decision of putting it down to SHC. Wow. Mr. Farrity was found with severe burns lying on his back with his head near an open fireplace. You see, this, <laughs> yeah. Could there be a clue there? Despite the blaze, the sitting room was untouched apart from burns on the ceiling directly above him and on the floor beneath him. Forensic experts who investigated the scene at Mr. Fahati's house concluded the fireplace was not linked to his death. Mm. And Mr. And Doctor, I keep calling him Mr. I'm so sorry. Dr. McLaughlin said this fits into the category of spontaneous human combustion for which there is no adequate explanation. It's quite bold of him to go that way, isn't it? It is bold, and particularly as he was near a fireplace. But when you look into it, the thing is, the fireplace wasn't lit. Oh, okay. And since then, lots of people have been arguing that this case was down to the wick effect. Now, I'm going to cover something that you might remember about the wick effect, but I wanted to tell you because that sort of illustrates what we will talk about as the wick effect. Right. But there are other brilliant theories that have been put forward by uh, various people and they were covered adequately here as well so um there's <laughs> there's there's one where the the author calls it the drunk night right and this this originated the shc uh, theory in 1641 there's a danish doctor and mathematician who's called thomas bartholin and uh, <laughs> this is this is where we have the problem with pronunciation okay he has a tome that he wrote Historarium Anatomicarum Rerorium. Now, why you couldn't have just put that into... I think it's what it means, I think, is uh, 
historical facts about the anatomy that are rare. I think that's what it means. Right, right. I've tried to I've tried to decode it in various different ways, and Google always comes up with a different answer. But basically, he's a clever dude, and uh, he's cataloging strange medical phenomena. And he describes the death of an Italian knight called Polonus Vortius. Oh, so he was a knight. Oh, he was. And according to Bartholin, the knight had enjoyed a few glasses of strong wine with his parents at his home in Milan. When he burped to fire, succumbed to the flames and died. That's one way of getting out of seeing your parents. Sorry, did you say he burped? He burped fire, succumbed to the flames and died. Wow. And... So almost like a... a fire breather is that yeah. what they're saying he kind of burped he had so much alcohol yes and they he went up like a christmas pudding that's right that's wow. exactly right but that's sort of where the first idea of alcohol causing this wow. came through i keep thinking the um the drunk night would have been a very different batman film oh <laughs> <laughs> yeah. get you some up yeah. tomorrow yeah what were we I, arguing about i'm batman <laughs> i love you yeah I love, I love you, Joker. <laughs> You're a Joker. And You're, I all love right. you. yeah. You're all right. You're all right. Well, he, she, see, he, she, he, see, the knight wasn't the first one um, to go in a similar manner because many years before Farrity's death, a blue flame apparently emanated from Jeannie Safin, 61, as she sat with her family. Her brother-in-law, Don Carroll, said the flame shot from Mrs. Savin's stomach as she sat at the kitchen table in Edmonton, North London. She was roaring like a dragon, he said. That would have been so much better with a Welsh accent. I can't do one. Roaring like a dragon. The kitchen wasn't damaged, but her cardigan melted. The inquest never sorted it out. So she died as well? She died as well. Now, a lot of people said, yeah, but she'd been heavy drinking. That's what caused it. But heavy drinking does not cause your stomach to catch fire. Right. I mean, even I mean, even the the burpy burping by the fire thing. I mean, you'd have to be drinking and spitting out some pretty strong stuff for that to work, wouldn't you? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I I think probably the one the case that you know the picture of is from um, a guy. Uh, so the lower leg and slippered foot of a ninety-two-year-old yes, retired physician were discovered next to the toilet of his Pennsylvania home, surrounded by a pile of ash and a walking frame. That's the one I know. Yeah, that sounds familiar. And that is the... So that is the first time, like, an actual... So this happened in the 60s. So that's when the doc, a doctor dies and another doctor's like, uh, can't really work out what's going on. So nobody got to the bottom of that one either. Right. And It's, it's the pile of ash, though, that gets me, because... Again, you know, I'm no expert at this stuff, but, you know, when you have cremation and stuff, it's got to be so hot, right? Yeah. To turn your body into ash, right? Uh, well, we will come on to that because people have tested this theory. Okay. The, the last one I wanted to bring up from uh, that article was um, a woman, Mary Bell Andrews, who was taken over by Flame in 1938, She's attending a party and, again, drinking heavily. Yeah. Her fiancé and fellow partygoers reportedly shocked when a flame erupted from her as she stood at the top of a staircase. Wow. So, all of this controversy exists. 
there's going to be two ways we're going to look at how people address this. So hold on a second. What you're saying, if we go back to the burping night, was it a burping night? Yeah. The, mm-hmm. the drunk night. This fits into your category of like the human candle, the wick effect. It does. Right. And it also goes into alcoholism. So following uh, Mr. Fahati's death, research biologist Professor Brian J. Ford set out to disprove the prime theory that SHC was so-called by the wick effect, which suggested that human fat will combust on a wick-like clothing at room temperature. Right. To test the theory, Mr. Ford marinated abdominal tissue from pigs in acetone, which is a highly flammable substance which the body produces in reaction to alcoholism, fat-free dieting and diabetes, which... um, all of those, so I'm glad that I'm not fat-free dieting. <laughs> uh, and he set it to light. He told the reporter at the time this was used to make scale models of humans, which we clothed and set alight. They burned to ash within half an hour. Wow, okay. He says, for the first time, a feasible cause of human combustion has been experimentally ex- uh, uh, experimentally demonstrated. Wow. Well, <clears throat> it's not the first time. Because okay. I'm going to tell you about one of the first times. But also, there's a real problem with his experiment, because you just mentioned it. The bones. Yes. Because the bones have all gone in these previous people. Right. And yep. he's assumed they're alcoholics. It's very different to having a night at a party where you've had a few strong ales. It's yep. a very yeah, different yeah, proposition. Yeah, yeah. Yep. So this, from the BBC. Now, this was published in 1998, but it relates to a BBC show called QED that was first broadcast in 1989. I just love QED. Do you remember the episode where they try and prove human... Ah, No, no, no. Right. And I would imagine most of our listeners are going to be too young for this. So this is kind of an updated report, and... uh, I'm going to read little bits of it word for word because it's from the people who made the show. Scientists believe that they have found the secret behind stories of people suddenly bursting into flames. BBC One's QED brought together the world's top fire experts, top fire experts, (laughs) looked at cases of spontaneous human combustion around the world. The programme discovered that the so-called wick effect in which a body is devoured by flames from its own body fat, is behind the mystery. Using a dead pig, the poor pigs come out of this really badly. Wrapped in cloth, they simulated a human body being burned over a long period, and the charred effect was the same as in so-called spontaneous human combustion. Wow. The QED team spoke to Paul Haggerty, who as a young fire officer was called to investigate a fatal fire in Pennsylvania. The victim was an elderly widow, and what he saw still haunts him. What he described was, again, the woman's legs were left untouched while the rest of her body was burned to a cinder. Wait, though, I, there, there's something that's bothering me about that. You know, the the word is spontaneous, right? Human combustion. Correct. But in those experiments, they're adding flame, right? Yeah. Well, so it relies on... There being a, a salt, source of ignition, a spark. Yeah, <laughs> you know, this is po- this is pointed out as a problem. Yeah, okay. They also bring in Home Office pathologist Mike Green, who examined the body, and he does not believe in spontaneous human combustion. But he said, the first time you see it, you rock back and forth on your heels, and you ask yourself, how is it that the body has been totally consumed 
and nothing else has been damaged. It beggars belief. So again, with you know, without getting too graphic, in the QED experiment, that included bones as well? It's as if you've been reading my notes. Okay. So no, no, this is very this is this is very pertinent. So the person who's doing the dead pig burning, <laughs> Dr. Jean Dehan of the California Criminalastic Institute. <laughs> Crimin- criminalastic. Criminalastic. Love that. Yeah. Used a dead pig in this gruesome experiment, which so show flames can consume a human being with the help of burning body fat. A pig was used because it closely resembles a human's fat content, as I previously said. The pig was wrapped in a blanket, and this is where I have a real problem with it. A small amount of petrol was poured on it. Right, okay. After five hours of spontaneous burning, the bones were being destroyed. Were being destroyed. Right. They, weren't destroyed. they weren't destroyed. They were being destroyed. Dr. DeHaan said the sort of damage here is exactly the same as what happens from supposed spontaneous human combustion. The scientists believe they had demonstrated how a case of spontaneous human combustion can occur through normal processes once a person has been knocked unconscious. The wick effect means that a person could burn slowly without attracting attention from passers-by. It also explains why only part of the body, the part which is rich in fat, burns while the rest is stays intact so i there's a huge huge problem with this five hours for it to start attacking the bones adding petrol as a source of like getting that's the accelerant accelerant and you need to have a source of um ignition now in all of those other cases not once did anybody mention, oh, he's smoking a fag. Yeah. In fact, in the 1600s, he definitely wouldn't have been smoking a cigarette. Yeah. So then you have to go, oh, they got close to the fire. Oh, there was a spark. Oh, there was they something. They over a candle or something. Absolutely. And and if you have to get petrol to start this and and five hours of burning a pig, you haven't, you have not proved the SHC is just that. Maybe some cases, what you've actually proved is if you wrap a pig in a cardigan with petrol, it will burn. I mean, there's no surprise to me. I have fried bacon and left it on the pan too long. It yeah, catches yeah. fire. It's very different. Well, I guess the difference as well is, I'm assuming in these, I hope, in these experiments, the pig was already dead. Oh, God, yeah, 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 yeah. 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 But, but here's my point. So if it worked in the way that they did in the experiments... You know, these are people, well, I guess they could have been dead and then caught fire, but a lot of the examples you've talked about, the people were alive. So, A, they'd know that there was fire happening, right? Yes. B, they're likely to be people around. And if it takes that long, you think the human's natural instinct, even just flailing around trying to stop it, would prevent it. That's... Maybe I'm making huge assumptions. No, no, I've got no not. scientific basis for so that. So I think the other thing to to think about is if you have been on fire for five hours, yeah. you are definitely going to set your couch on fire. Yeah. If the if the intensity is so high yeah. that your bones are beginning to be demolished, your couch is going to catch fire. Yeah. The um the flooring, the carpet or bare boards, whatever it is, that is going to start catching fire. What that points to is a is a real intensity of flash mm. and then disappearance. It doesn't take, you know, if it's been burning for five hours, that is going to bring other things on fire. That is like saying, if in my living room I have a barbecue going for five hours mm. on full flame, 
my house will still be fine. It won't. It will catch fire. And again, the other thing I'm thinking while you're talking about it is in the experiment example, the pig experiments, you're basically turning, you're talking about something burning from the outside in. Yes. Whereas I always understood, maybe it's a huge assumption on my part, that uh, spontaneous human combustion was described as almost burning from the inside out. As we heard in some of those witness accounts, sometimes it's flames coming out of the mouth yeah, or exactly, even coming yeah. out of the stomach. Yeah, like a dragon, like, that was the description. Absol- the, right? Like a dragon, yes, roaring like a dragon. Yeah. Now, you don't, you don't have flames roaring like a dragon from, you know, the only way you would get that is if you're wearing maybe something flammable like, um, you know, like a nylon cardigan or something like yeah. that. And then the clothes catch on fire... But that doesn't necessarily mean that is you are on fire. They are describing something coming out of the woman's stomach. Yeah. And this didn't go unnoticed by people. So that is a programme from 1989. It was broadcast on primetime television. Yeah. There was a lot of controversy about it at the time. But everybody sort of went, not everybody, of course, because I'm going to argue against it, but other, some people went, oh, well, that's proven. Done, it's done, d- dusted. Yeah. But, of course, don't forget, the case there in Ireland was after that. And right. so that has, it's still been recorded as a case of SHC. Yeah. This is my favourite, though. I nearly bought this book, and then actually, this interview is much more, <laughs> it's much more funny and illuminating. Right, okay. So, Larry Arnold is the author of a book called Ablaze The Mysterious Fires of Spontaneous Human Combustion. <laughs> That's pretty short, though, for, it a, is for, for a paranormal, paranormal book. book. <laughs> Although he could have gone further. He could have just gone with a blaze. Well, I was hoping it was a blaze. He needed, I think, people are like, what this was, is this book just like lovely house fires? <laughs> yeah, true. Oh, no, no, it's spontaneous human combustion. Yeah. But um, his book, I've read various accounts of it. This is my favourite from Vice magazine. Here he gives us a summary of why SHC is so difficult to explain through science as well as his best estimations of what might prove it. Spoiler alert, we're going to get back to pyrotrons. Okay. He says, due to its bizarre nature, it is easier for academics to deny cases of SHC that invoke more comfortable scenarios, such as the human wick theory, or simply refuse to accept the evidence altogether. While I haven't been able to come up with a single mechanism that is applicable across the hundreds of cases I've studied, I have developed a few theories concerning what I believe could cause a human to spontaneously combust. One of my favourite explanations is the subatomic pyrotron theory, which is based on quantum physics. The theory states that there is an extremely small but high-powered particle, like a neutrino, that zips through the spaces between the quarks that make up the atoms, which compose molecules of the human body. On rare occasions, a rogue particle scores a direct hit with a quark and sets off an internal chain reaction. I've dubbed this occurrence the internal Hiroshima effect, and this may result in SHC. So this he is talking about something happening at the subatomic level here, but is completely explainable by physics, except... I found no possible <laughs> explanation as to why hitting something with a quark would do it. Would do it? No, because there are lots of particles uh, that fly around all the time. Lots of them bumping into quarks, 
and people aren't bursting into flames right. and dogs aren't bursting into flames and radiators aren't bursting into flames. It takes quantum entanglement to a whole new realm, doesn't it? It does. <laughs> um, he, he does build on this theory. Okay. <laughs> he said, well, it's not exactly the same, but it's, 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 even, it's even bolder, I think. He says, another theory concerns Kundalini, an energy that flows up and down the spinal column of every human being. Although Kundalini is well known to Eastern uh, physicians and metaphysicians, it is less so in the Western world. Kundalini is a very powerful bioenergy that, amongst other psychokinetic phenomena, can produce intense internal temperature spikes when out of balance. While I'm not entirely sure what causes Kundalini to become unbalanced, in some cases factors such as one state of consciousness and emotional distress seem to affect it. So I think this he's is... made that up. <laughs> Even the name he's made up. No, Kundalini is real. <laughs> oh, OK. Yeah, Kundalini is real. Um, I, I, you know, go online and you can find people who will manipulate your Kundalini. Be, be careful with the search, though. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, but, but no, Kundalini is real and it sort of, it feeds into ideas about alternative medicine and stuff like that. So what is it? Is it, is it like a... A liquid it's like or? no, no. It's like your chi. It's a, it's an internal. Oh, okay. It's a, it's an energy. Yeah, I mean, I guess what you would describe a kundalini as is like um, the body's ley lines. Right. That is one way of looking at it. Okay. That's a very for anyone who who understands this who's listening. I know that is a very simple and perhaps not a, not you probably wouldn't agree hundred percent, right. but it's a good way of kind of for me to understand what it is. So, so is he saying his that theory is that. This kind of energy source just gets, I don't know, out uh, of whack, out of whack, or overstimulated, or something, and then catches fire. Uh, well, yes, it causes the body to catch fire, right. and, and you can see, you can see why perhaps this book isn't can sort of required reading if you're doing a medical degree, <laughs> right, right. Um, yeah. because and, and I think, but what what I do like is that he is searching around for ideas that aren't just, well, let's wrap a pig in a blanket, throw yeah. petrol on it and call it a solution. Well, and also proposing very different ideas as well and not sticking to one. That's quite good. Yeah, totally, totally. Um, <laughs> the third theory I'm working on is called the cartography of combustion. I've plotted the many instances of abnormal fire phenomena relating to people and property in the United Kingdom. You, you know if you've got to... I mean. I hope he's still alive and he, he, if he's listening, God bless you for writing this book. But I reckon if I got into a conversation with him in a pub about this, we'd be there till closing. Yeah. You, you get the idea, don't you? Yeah. I've noticed that... <laughs> You'd be suffering from the wick effect the amount of time <laughs> you spend in the pub with him. <laughs> I've noticed that most can be connected by straight, by straight alignments. Some lines link five, six or seven, or sometimes as many as a dozen anomalous fires. Our findings are somewhat similar to the idea of ley lines. Oh, he brings up ley lines in a different way. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I was thinking ley lines while you were talking about it. Which are based on the supposed geographical alignment of things like ancient monuments and other places of interest that are traditionally associated with earth and energy mysteries. I believe these connections follow lines of energy that flow around the planet 
And uh, <laughs> he, this is so awkward to say, that heretofore I'd known an unidentified geographical or geophysical energy under the correct circumstances can cause spontaneous combustion in property, buildings and people. I mean, wow. so what he's saying is basically very similar to his Kundalini idea, except this is on an earthbound basis. Right. So if you walk past Stonehenge and your nose is perfectly aligned with your shin and your two toes... Not, not that you only have two toes, but two of your toes, yeah. then you make a some sort of a line and boof, you catch fire. Now, I find that very, very difficult to come to terms with because we're not even... I don't even understand what energy he's talking about here. Right. It just reminded me, though, that we we come across the ley lines thing when we did the episode on crop circles, didn't we? Yeah, we Th- did. They've been connected with ley lines as well. So, yeah, it's... Yeah. I mean, I guess when you have your survey done for your house, it's not really something you can plan for, is it? Oh, we'll have to take £15,000 off because that ley line that yeah. you said was Ooh. going through, the, yeah. <laughs> you, you've, you, you're about to spontaneously combust if you let that happen. <laughs> yeah, and I'm going to have to wear other gloves when I go to bed. But the, the reason why I wanted to include him is because for all of my general, uh, like, slightly ribbing, he does say... Although I am constantly speculating about what might cause these patterns to manifest, at this point I have nothing I can take into a scientific laboratory and reproduce under controlled conditions. This is essentially why it's so easy for the experts and scientific orthodoxy to dismiss spontaneous human combustion. It truly is spontaneous. So I think that fits with quite a lot of the stuff that makes it an interesting topic. Like, we can't can't take a ghost into a laboratory or anything. And so I'm definitely, even though it sounded like I was ribbing him, I'm not really. It's just kind of, some of those ideas are difficult to to get your head around. Yeah, well, also, it's like, you know, um, it would be wrong for us to throw stones into that greenhouse because we've probably, they're the kind of theories we explore on a number of topics, right? We've, we've, we've talked about way out, war way out things than that. Yeah, and, and I did want to point out, so he is not the only person to think this because the scientific paper that I took, those two, that diagram I showed you at the top, looking through it, this is a proper peer-reviewed and published paper listen to this others have observed correlations of shc with geomagnetic fluctuations and he, they oh, quote wow. a paper from 1975 and ley lines huh? uh, generating strange phenomena at their points of intersection and suspect a possible relationship and that comes from a paper you can look it up if you'd like. Persinger and Lafrain, 1977. These are all published papers. Right. So he isn't as mad as he might first sound. Well, especially that 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 magnetic field, because the power of the Earth's magnetic... I'm always amazed by that fact that the North and South Poles have flipped on numerous occasions, and um, we've seen the effect of the Earth's magnetic field in terms of satellites and communications and various things so yeah that's interesting it's not such stress weirdly i don't seem to associate the kind of magnetic fields with ley lines but it makes logical sense right yes it does it does and um the way that this paper talks about the relationship between electrical and magnetic forces there's a great line which i highlighted 
Um, proposed electrical sources include regular as well as ball lightning, build-ups of static electricity, right. and short-circuiting of electrical fields within the body. And it goes on to explain like that could be caused by um, changes in magnetism. So I guess it's the sort of, um, if you've got electricity, you sort of become an electromagnet, if you right, like. Right, yeah. And, and that could cause something. Again, um, Randalls and Howe, 1992, and Wilson, 1997, for... All of you keen collectors of references, um, they both wrote about that. But you can see, I think, what's interesting, the reason I wanted to sort of bring up the number of contributors to this is just sort of um, the two paragraphs I've highlighted here have one, two, three, four, five, so about 14 references to other... 14 unique references to other different scientific papers who've right. written on this subject. So it is so it is hotly debated. And there was this period, a lot of those papers are from the 70s. We know how mad the papers were in the 70s. Mm. But it was like you wouldn't lose your job if you wrote about how ley lines might affect the human body. Right, right. You probably will now. But this whole wick effect thing has just sort of been accepted as the standard, okay, well, yeah, like they were smoking a tab... And they caught fire. Well, I think what's interesting about the topic is normally we start these things with something, a lot of these things, with something where we go, people say it's not a thing. You know what I mean? And we, we always get excited when we find one scientific paper that's looked into some of these subjects. But it's almost like what you're describing there is at least to some level some acceptance that this is a thing. Oh, there is. And what the question then becomes is why. So, you know, a lot of what we work on, it's like, is this a thing? And if it is a thing, then why? But this is like, no, it, it it's being approached from the position that it's a thing. The other question I had was back to your graph that you showed with the, you know, huge increase in cases... Has anyone kind of tackled that anomaly or is that just kind of because of reporting of these cases? I haven't seen anything that has tackled that. I think it is more likely to be around the fact that um, autopsies and such weren't often yeah. recorded back then. Yeah. And and also you've got to sort of think about like historical times and what is acceptable to say and what is not yeah. acceptable yeah. to say. Um, I guess as well, if it was something that kind of happened within your family, you'd probably want to keep it quiet because you wouldn't want the whole family being accused of witchcraft or something, right? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I, I mean, yes, or or worse still... Um, Association with the devil, there's all kinds yeah. of stuff, isn't there? Yeah. And then what we talk about there in terms of Dickens' period, so we're talking like sort of late 1700s, early 1800s, really, um, there's this time of, like, scientific fact can explain everything, yeah, like that yeah. controversy. Yeah. Who is going to be the doctor to say, well, that was magic, which is essentially what they're, what they're saying. Yeah, yeah. But the... Maybe, maybe let me sum up the argument by this, because I found this from a blog from Scientific American in 2011... By I found this woman, uh, Julie, uh, Jennifer Ouellette, um, who writes extensively about the sort of things that we like to talk about. And these two sentences, I think, well, two little paragraphs. She says, the problem with applying this theory, so she's talking about um, uh, 
the theory of the Wick effect uh, to SHC is that alleged SHC cases claim the victims are burned from within and no electrical discharge has been shown to cause anything remotely like that. Mm. So this particular theory she's discussing is the Wick effect associated with electrical discharge from a cardigan, from touching electrical socket or whatever. Back to the pigs. Also, while the bodies are consumed, the surroundings are not claimed in SHC cases. A fire caused by electrostatic charge would cause damage to surrounding objects. But, she says, I'll stick with the wick effect for the time being as my preferred rational explanation. Even though the jury is still out on some of the stranger cases where the wick effect really doesn't apply, I'm willing to bet scientists will figure it out one day. They won't convince the die-hard true believers, but perhaps the answer will be an interesting plotline for a TV show in the future. (laughs) And I think that really sums it up is like... You can find a solution where... Sorry, you can find a case where the Wick solution fits in. But all of the other solutions are so crazy that they get put into this ca- this camp of, like, well, if the Wick effect doesn't work, then we've got no idea what it is. And that takes us to that Irish case. That is the case there. There is no Wick effect. Yeah. But the fireplace, people go, but there was a fireplace. Well, we've all got fireplaces. Well, we haven't all got fire- I've got two fireplaces, not boasted, but I have got two. But they haven't, they haven't been on this for six months. Yeah. Um, so if somebody, if I collapsed all burnt up next to my wood burner, people would probably go, well, he was lighting his wood burner. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I don't. you, you can't just say that. Yeah. He was lighting his wood burner while kind of mouthwashing with um, Sambuca. <laughs> and he went up. Um, so does the theory of you burning inside out rather than outside in, that seems to be connected with the lack of other fire damage around where the bodies are, and then you get these stories of people breathing fire. That's right, yeah, yeah, yeah. And there are other stories where people haven't died, but um, like a flame shoots out of their arm or something, and... They, you know, it's it's put out, and their clothing has either been unaffected or is just partially burnt. It was clear it wasn't the clothing that was catching right. fire, and then you get these these first hand accounts of watching somebody, you know, they belch fire, yeah. fire comes out of their stomach. They, they are definitely not catching fire. Yeah, I wonder as well with the wick effect experiments whether they took that into consideration of not just trying to create. A scenario that burns the body but also doesn't affect everything around it so that's quite interesting the other question i wanted to ask you um if we could go back to your graph mm. um is there some detail on the graph of like in a in a big year would the numbers that we're talking about so between 1950 and uh 1999 We've got about forty-seven cases. Okay, that's that's interesting. The previous the previous set, nineteen hundred to nineteen fifty, um, twelve. Okay, so you can I guess you can draw two conclusions from that. It's so rare that whatever's being reported is being misidentified as something else, or it's just incredibly rare that it is some kind of phenomenon oh it's very rare that is incredibly rare it is that that's the you know i guess the the 
descriptions of people breathing fire and all that kind of stuff, you could have some scepticism about that. But to to reach a level where you have these effectively effectively piles of ashes and nothing else seems scorched around it and then you've also got admittedly not in huge numbers but you have coroners putting that down as the cause of death that's really interesting i like out of all the things you've talked about weirdly the wick effect thing weirdly seems more fantastical than some kind of electromagnetic you know we all know that very rare but things like ball lightning and stuff can appear um you know can those kind of phenomena appear within the body do you know what i mean you know especially when you talk about it from a quantum point of view and you know entanglement With your prior and all that. yeah <laughs> yes yes yeah. i mean just I, bad luck it's rare but it's bad luck it's bad luck yes i think that's probably true like a similar way to um like ele- uh, we've seen car batteries in electric cars catching fire. Now we understand that process, of course, but it's like um, when um, when the chemical reaction gets so hot, it self replicates and burns the whole car down. Yeah, could it be something like that? A little bit like that guy from a blaze. He was sort of he goes on to sort of say it's like it's like in- an internal Hiroshima. Now a nuclear bomb is basically just an uncontrolled chain reaction. Mm. So maybe there is something in that uncontrolled chain reaction that makes a lot of sense. Mm. But I I do think the number of cases is related to that because I think some people, like, um, it was... Some people would have been recorded as fell asleep with a cigarette and they died. Yeah. Um, They would have been recorded as um, there was an unexplained fire in the house... Mm-hmm. Could be arson. That definitely happened. Mm. But when it becomes m- more scrutinised by journalists mm. and court reporting is much more... I mean, of course, we've had court reporting for a couple of hundred years. Yeah. But court reporting then gets picked up on by journalists more in the 50s, post that war, post post the war era. And they start pulling things about uh, apart a lot more. Then you try and you get people trying to be more accurate, yeah. but also more fantastical. So a reporter might call something SHC when, in fact, it wasn't, but it yeah. just looked like it. Yeah. And a coroner will call it on the most conservative basis. Which, again, kind of ties back to that the the rarity of whatever's going on here. Because if you go with it as a, a, a legitimate phenomena... Um, out of those numbers that you're reporting, which I think roughly we're talking one one a year, aren't we? Even when they're high, one or two a year, there's got to be some uh, misidentified within those. So you're actually talking incredibly minute numbers that are being picked up, aren't you? At least oh yeah, officially. yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. wow, um, and, and just to just to um, you know put it into. Um, into context that that is that is just the British Isles and right and okay. Ireland right, but uh, even so, that is still um, it's still really very small numbers. Yeah, and I think just to sort of round off the argument somewhat, um, there's a there's a quote that I pulled out for the end. So um, 
a, a retired professor of pathology, a chap called Mike Green, said he was inclined to side with the practical mundane explanation for cases suspected to be SHC. And this is the line that gives it away. There is a source of ignition somewhere, but because the body is so badly destroyed, the source can't be found. Now, how... Yeah. It's a bit convenient, isn't it? It covers a multitude of sins, isn't it? It covers a multitude of sins. Yeah. Whereas um, the paper I was reading from, they go, they go into... Um, uh, <laughs> they go into details, like they, they model um, the pyrotron... And uh, they say it must be um, one times ten to the twenty times smaller than a gamma ray, um, with but carrying enough energy to burn up whatever it impacts. Yeah. You know they try and pull this apart scientifically, and I think that's valid. But I think when you get into that sort of scientific explanation, you end up sort of disproving anything because, yeah. uh, and I don't mean that glibly. I mean if you try and prove that some things that happen in at a very small level. Shouldn't exist, but they do. Mm. You end up on a um, a very difficult path when you're trying to sort of prove something that is, you know, in essence, this is as mysterious as a ghost or a werewolf or whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And and the thing is, so like, but lesson, but, but the dif- the difference is certainly from a scientific perspective, it seems to have been studied far more deeply than a ghost or a werewolf, which I think, in a way, oh, is fascinating yeah. in itself. Yes, because we've got the proof for it there. Yeah, we've got two we've got legs something. Of ash. Yeah. We have got some kind of evidence. The question is, where does that evidence come from? And then when you look into it, like one of the cra- the craziest and strangest things that I read about was um, that if you were if you add on to the Wick theory that a lot of the people who claim to be spontaneously combusted are elderly and um, they're wearing, like, they're wrapped up in more clothes because they're old. Yeah. They will probably have had a couple of whiskies, but because they're old, their bones are much easier for a fire to digest. Oh, I see. So you speak to, you know, there, there are some people who've interviewed uh, people who work in mortuaries, and they'll say, well, yeah, like um, uh, a well-built, sort of hefty middle-aged person will take five and a half, six hours to burn, but a frail woman will take two and a half. Right. Okay, but you just said a frail woman, and and what you predicated this on was was, was not yeah, that. yeah, Hard, harder to run away from the fire as well when you're in those big slippers. Well, the single slipper, the single big slipper. <laughs> yeah, you have to hop away from it. Yeah, not only are they flammable, it kind of restricts your kind of movement as well. Fascinating though. I, I, it's funny because when you started the episode, I was bored. No, <laughs> I really wasn't. I was on fire. No, I I was thinking. Yeah, this was just a thing from my childhood that has gone away. But, you know, I'm, I'm shocked by how many cases and things that, are, uh, you know, what was the one from 2015 where coroners, there were all these people involved. So Mm-mm. it's still a thing. It probably is just not getting the media attention it used to. So I'm imagining there's probably still people, I guess they, you have to wait for a case then to work on the scientific description of it probably now. Yeah, you have to work on a case and, of course, everything is backwards engineering. You can't find anything live. Yeah, yeah. And then people will just disagree. And I, I suspect there isn't going to be, I don't know, a fire officer, a, an investigator or anyone apart from a few brave people who are willing to say... You know, unknown, but SHC, yeah, they're yeah. more likely to, you know, they're going to say, you know, they smoked a fag or whatever it is, whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. 
but I really like it. And um, a good source of kind of like seeing how the Wick Effect stuff sort of became more popular as an explanation, just Google um, or YouTube rather the the QED program. Lot there's lots of sources for it because it's it's so old. Yeah, you'll you'll find them maybe like thirty videos. So that's BBC QED. BBC QED, nineteen eighty nine, spontaneous human combustion. Yeah, and um, not only do we learn that television was quite weirdly. Um, it was very different back then. But also the fact that the programme reaches such a firm conclusion is yeah. both it's it's very dogmatic and strange for it to have reached such a conclusion. Yeah. And I do think this idea that there's more to it than meets the eye, perhaps with Earth interactions and stuff. So their conclusion being I guess you would kind of go, Oh, they're gonna conclude it's not a thing. They conclude it's a thing. And it works by this wick effect. Yeah, well, they, they say it's not spontaneous. It's basically you right. set fire to yourself and burn for ages, but your feet are left. Right. Yeah. Okay. All right. Interesting. Oh, I'll, I'll check that out as well. Well, that was fascinating. And it's, um, like I said, wasn't, didn't think it was a, a thing anymore. And I didn't think it was a thing that science had taken so seriously. So both those things I've learned today. Well, they certainly they certainly did. I was just going to give you the name of this um, this paper. Oh, it, it's um, debunking the spontaneous human combustion myth: experiments in the combustibility of the human body. Angie M. Christensen. Um, so that's getting back to more of a title that we like. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it is. I mean, basically, at the end of this paper, as you would guess, they they basically say. We don't really know, but it's probably the Wick effect, except they argue against it all the way through. So I just don't know what to make of it. Um, I think when I'm, when I, for my own pleasure, I'm going to buy a Blaze because he sounds like a right character. Yeah, definitely. Um, and if anyone has around the world, if you've had any reports of this, because I imagine it happens in local newspapers. I think I was lucky that that Irish one yeah, came, um, came up, although I did find the local sources for it, just to confirm. The BBC picked up on it. But if you've had any, particularly Australia or America, local cases, I'd love you to uh, send them to me because I'd like to do like a little follow-up and see what they're reporting now. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Well, that was fascinating, Ben. Um, before we go, shall I, um, shall I get my violin out of the case? Oh, go on, get it out. Oh, no. That's okay. a big one. Yeah, okay. I'm just going under my chin. That's a cello. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah sorry, I just poked you in the eye. Um, all right, I'll just do it. Just do a few bow, okay. bow movements and then we'll start. So... Yes, Ben. Oh, it's hard to talk with this violin under my chin, but um, we... <laughs> I don't think I can keep this illusion going. <laughs> you must have gone to Rada this week. Yes. <laughs> um, we have had a... Well, we've had one Sherlocky thing, but we've had another kind of weird thing as well. So let me explain. We're, weirdly, um, I don't know if this is, this is part of the mission of the Tulpa Project... The two things I'm going to talk about today have come from two of our patrons, um, which isn't just some kind of clever marketing ploy from me. It's absolutely true. We're the opposite of clever marketing. Ploy yeah, people. you really are. Yeah. <laughs> so the first uh, Sherlocky one was um, Kate, who's one of our patrons, 
Uh, she sent us a photo of she was just going through an old thrift store charity shop, looking through some of the books, and she picked out and sent us a photo of a rather perfect condition version of the return of Sherlock Holmes. So she just it's a came beautiful book, it. isn't it? It looked really nice. So um, a low level, but good. The the second thing I wanted to talk about uh, is not directly related to Sherlock. But it, it seems like a, a bit of a tulpa in itself. And this comes from Evan, who's one of our patrons as well, that he was listening uh, to one of our podcasts where we mentioned the library ghost from Ghostbusters. He was listening to this a few weeks ago. And since then, he keeps hearing it mentioned in conversations with friends where he's not instigated it, it's just come up, on the radio and on other podcasts, and he'd never really noticed that before. And all of that seems to have been triggered for Evan by listening to us talking about it on The Quantum Mechanics. Even stranger, he wasn't listening to a recent episode. He was re-listening to an episode he'd listened to before, which was one of our much more older episodes on Sam the Sandown Clown, one of our favourites. Ah, one of my favourites, yeah. And there's a weird thing where... That was the first episode he ever listened to from us and was what got him into the podcast. I think he'd done a Google search on Sam the Sandown Clown and we come up, gave us a try. So he revisited this months, maybe years later, right? Yeah. Heard us mention yeah. Ghostbusters and the the library ghost from Ghostbusters comes up from all the time for him since then. <laughs> he <laughs> said he described it, he said that's weird synchronicity he said that episode was one that got him into the quantum mechanics in the first place and that was weird strange synchronicity so i i did think is that is he creating his own tulpa there with the help of us not sherlock but you know he's maybe maybe we've been too narrow in our tulpa ambitions well i did i did say to you that um because i the only reason I thought about doing spontaneous human combustion is that I randomly, um, I, one of my reference books, uh, it mentions it, and this is a this is a very this is a very you wouldn't have this reference book. It's very old. It's from the fifties. I thought I oh, I've always wanted to cover that. I will cover that. Not mentioned anywhere else. And then I couldn't sleep the other night. I put on a podcast, which is not a paranormal podcast. It's a celebrity interview podcast. And right at the end, they talk about spontaneous shipping combustion. Oh, really? And the same day I'd written... Well, that was the morning... It was at four in the morning and I'd put down oh, my wow. pen writing that spontaneous human combustion episode the night before. And I, and I did have a think. It was like, blimey, now I know how Evan feels. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're tolpering all over the place. Yeah, um, yeah, it is weird. Although if we go into the world of spontaneous combustion, it's definitely got a kind of prog rock feel to it. So I'm going to have to work on a 15-minute synth solo, aren't I? <laughs> well, you better get learning. I'm, put, I'm, I'm putting the violin down. Hold on. There we go. Nicely done. Perfect. All right. Well, um, uh, yeah, weird, weird both of those kind of Tolpa-esque moments came from Patreons. And while we're here, if you... Uh, if you do want to check us out on Patreon, go to patreon.com forward slash TQMPod. I think it will probably be 
a bit much to claim that by joining as a Patreon, you then start to experience Tolpa-like activity. That's probably pushing the boundaries of advertising too far, but it seems to work for them. You may. You may. Okay, fair enough. Um, Thank you, Ben. That was fantastic. I am not going to sit by the fire with a large glass of whiskey anymore, and um, we will see you next week on The Quantum Mechanics. Thanks for listening. Take care. Thank you. the quantum mechanics